This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have a Harvard graduate that built his first million dollar business from the dorm room and was a commerce sport brand, HDO Sport, that then became HDO Group. He is now the founder and the CEO of Takeometrics, which is an AI company optimizing 4% of Amazon's total sales. We have with us Alasdair McLean Foreman. Alasdair, how's it going? It's going very well. Uh, wow, that was quite an intro, uh, Quinn, and I really appreciate the opportunity um, to, to, to be on the show. And uh, a very, uh, very, very uh, nice intro. Thank you so much. Well, Thank you. It's a pleasure having you here. Uh, you know, I heard so much about Metrics and the, the AI company, basically, that you guys are putting together. Uh, but before we go there, let's start from the beginning. So you went to Harvard and in your dorm room, you started e-commerce business. Is that right? It is. Yeah, it's um, it is amazing thinking back. I mean, it's it's close to 20 years ago, um, I came to, to college, I, you know, grew up in the UK and, uh, was very fortunate and very lucky to, to get a chance to study in the U S at, at Harvard. And, uh, when I arrived, um, I actually flew over with two bags and got, you know, came on the subway from Boston Logan into the dorm room. And there was like this huge ordeal, um, with, you know, how important it is and so many proud parents there. Um, and, and I, I just really immersed myself in the college experience. One thing I found, though, is it's super expensive to pay for textbooks in particular. So I only had 800 bucks that my mother gave me. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I sort of grew up in a pretty modest background. I'm not, I'm not going to say I came from sort of a, a super tough background, but I, I wasn't expecting to have to, 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 to kind of pay for what I would have to pay uh, at Harvard with all the textbooks. So I, I started off doing a dorm cleaning job. Um, literally cleaning bathrooms and I was thinking to myself look I'm gonna have to figure out a way to make this more interesting and, and more enjoyable so I um, I was running on the Harvard track team um, I ran actually in high school as a junior athlete for the British team and uh, I was I had a watch that the British Olympic training camp had given me and it broke so I called up the um, the manufacturer and on the auto attendant it said uh press uh one for a consumer or press two for a dealer and i just pressed two and i said hey um what does it take to become a dealer and they said you have to place a purchase order of x thousand dollars and um i actually went to the university and got a loan that i was supposed to use to buy a laptop wow. and i took that money and then just bought these watches and I built a website that at the time was before Google shopping before Amazon, of course. And, uh, the website's pitch was look, we're athletes and we sell these cool watches and it got indexed very highly for Google. So I went from making no money to making about 2000 bucks a day with no real overhead cost because I was shipping wow. all the goods to the dorm room. And what year are we talking about? What is this? 2000? Uh, it was 2001. Um, was was you know the the year that things really started to pick up and then i just followed my passion for these particular products um the the watch that really took off was when timex did a partnership with garmin 
and it was mind blowing. It's like the first watch that can use GPS to track how fast you're running. And I'm like, hey, oh, that's so cool. I wish I could buy that watch. So instead of buying it, I would just call Timex and said, Hey, how can I sell these uh, on uh, online? And they didn't really have a, a way to think about online sales. Um, but I was able to get the same pricing as I would if I was a retail store and just ended up selling them on, on, on the website. And then that was sort of when it really started to take off. It was around 2001. Oh, wow. You know what? It's actually shocking when you mentioned about going to Harvard and not being super rich. It, a lot of people think that everybody that goes to Harvard is already very well off, right? So you see it in in most movies, right? It's the rich kid, the brats, mm. and, and mm. It, I, I guess in real life, it's not always true because- it, I was worried about that too. I mean, honestly, and this is going back many years though, but I was very worried about um, coming over and, and, and I actually didn't want to come. I know this sounds crazy and strange that we're talking about this now, but when I got accepted, uh, I think it's a, a, a huge deal for for many kids, right? It's like, wow, you get in, it's like a whatever it is percentage acceptance rate. And I was like, look, I, I kind of want to stay in the UK. My mother was like, just go, you know, if it's bad, come back. It'll be like a vacation, you know, just what, what do you have to lose? And it's so amazing, Quinn. It's like, as you know, as someone coming into the US, it's like, well, what do I really have to lose? My, my base case is so low. Mm. And I think I've always had that mindset. Um, and it's really sort of incredible today. You know, I, I sold two companies uh, over the years, and um, now we have a, a venture-backed company with 150 employees helping thousands of entrepreneurs. What I love about what we do is it's actually helping people that are very similar. We know this, right? And and from your background too, e-commerce has so many of these amazing stories, and it doesn't have any bias between you know gender, race, nationality. Um, so I, I, I'm so happy to be able to have, you know, done something significant to help other people with the same type of problems. And I, I, I really like that, that story because it's, it's, it just shows us the truth, right? Uh, for example, the acceptance rate, uh, rate in Harvard, we all know it's very low. And then when you get it, you're, I mean, you're super excited that you got in, but then when it's, you realize it's the reality. I'm like, wow, you know, now you're a little bit scared. Maybe, well, I guess it is, yeah. it is fear, right? I mean, it's so, well, I think it, it taught me a lot. I mean, it's a, it was a very competitive place. Um, but the friends that I made, I was very lucky to be on the, on the track team. And I was actually captain of the track team my senior year and, um, you know, made, lifelong friends, you know, my best friends, uh, you know, a, a lot of the people and to go back to your point of, you know, what type of people are at a university like that, of course it varies like any university. Um, yeah. but I do think Harvard does a good job of diversity in the sense that, look, it's not just getting people that are smart. It's people that have got a rounded experience. So I've met some you know, absolutely incredible people and this might sound quite unbelievable, but I actually was in the same dorm as Mark Zuckerberg, Kirkland house, and, and I actually built a website that I ended up selling around fitness products. And uh, I was working, I was looking for someone to work on it with me. And uh, a friend of mine said, hey, I went to the school with a guy who's really smart in high school at coding. Here's his email. You should message him. He's in our, in our dorm. And I, I messaged Mark and I said, hey, you know, can you come and help me work on this fitness website? 
and he wrote back and he, he literally wrote back and said, Hey, you know, really cool idea, you know, let's meet up, but, um, I'm, I'm busy working on something else. And that was, um, Facebook. Um, so wow. I was one of the first thousand, you know, signups on Facebook and, um, you know, to be at a place where, you know, you're literally, sur- you know, surrounded by people doing that, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just really humbling and, uh, it, it was cool. I, I, I don't regret it at all. Oh, man, that is it's super cool. I'm, at the time, Mark, Zupper, Mark Zuckerberg was just another student, right? Just somebody else. But now looking back, it's super cool knowing that he was building something incredible. And not only that, but you were in the same place at the same time. And you had your site too. And because you were in the track team, is that why some of your businesses were sports oriented? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question because I just followed the passion for the products that I, I liked, to be honest with you. So I started with the watches, the GPS watch, the heart rate monitor watches, then moved into um, higher end products. Um, I really liked Oakley sunglasses at the time and I ended up calling Oakley and they came to our dorm room, my dorm room and said, well, well, what, what is this? How are we going to be able to sell? You need a retail store. And, uh, I actually ended up renting a retail store and I called, uh, rented a retail store within a biking distance of the dorm. I found a cheap location and then called up the rep and said, Hey, I've got a retail store. Can we do it now? And it was this really interesting journey that relates a lot to retail in general, right? It's like a world where they couldn't quite know how to deal with online. Um, so that's how it all started. Yeah. Just continually selling products. I wasn't doing what I'm so impressed by so many of our customers. And I think a lot of the listeners on your show are inventing their own brands. I was buying and selling other brands, Mm -hmm. um, which is a lot easier to be honest, um, because of the, you know, you're, you're, you're not making the brands I I was reselling. Um, and you know, I did evolve from that, but that's what, what I was doing in the beginning. Yeah, no, it is incredible how things change, right? Oakley didn't realize that you could sell things online without having that physical location and how right now uh, everything has to have an online presence no matter what. And, and that's where you're going to sell the, the most. So you you founded um, HDO, which was a sports e-commerce business. Uh, did you end up selling this? Or I you, did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went through a lot of um, – I grew really quickly – um, I had very little overhead in college because I would have the item shipped to our dorm room. Um, and, uh, and then I was building up the sales and, and I think I got quite overconfident, you know, I ended up renting a retail location, um, in Cambridge, which is, you know, down the street from the university. And then I started to ramp things up. I got a lot more inventory. And by the time I graduated, I had a lot of top line sales but I didn't have a really good handle of my unit economics and my profitability and my inventory. Um, so it's almost embarrassing to say, you know, I, I was really struggling. Um, I had really got fixated on top line sales. I was going around telling friends that, look, I'm running a multi-million dollar company. There's a huge difference as you know, Quinn, and I'm sure the audience can relate to this. If it's pretty easy to sell a million dollars on, online or a million dollars on Amazon. The real question is what are your profits. Um, 
So I went through a tough journey. I actually ended up uh, living in my office for two years after I graduated. You know, I was in some debt with some of the manufacturers and eventually built built my way out of that, grew my way out of that. And then I was fortunate to sell the business in 2008 to a private equity group. And that changed everything. And around that time was when Amazon became a factor. Um, just stepping back a bit, I had got a, Amazon had reached out to me in 2003 and had said, hey, we see some of these watches you're selling. We've just done a deal with Toys R Us to do, to do toys. We're just a book website. You know, we think that there's this vision of a marketplace to sell other goods. Would you like to sell on our website? And they sent me a fax from, you know, some obscure, it was literally like from Amazon marketplace services in Nevada. And I was like, okay, okay fine. Um, but it doesn't sound very good because you're going to charge me 15% to sell these products when I'm getting them like cranking on the organic uh, Google listings. Anyway, um, by 2008, that game had changed though. You had seen Amazon Prime really get going and you could see that we had sold a lot more or starting to see better performance on Amazon versus our website. So when we, when we sold the business, when I sold the business to a private equity group, I was able to really focus on Amazon and that started to build the foundation for Takeometrics. Um, after I sold the business, I had a non-compete agreement that said you can't work in the sporting goods industry. Mm. And that's so powerful because that forced me to think, okay, how can I sell anything on Amazon? And then I started to look at the data and I built some screen scraping technology and started to, before the APIs were available, analyze all the products on Amazon. And that's, wow. and that's how um, Takeometrics got formed actually with that, that technology. So you're saying you were scraping information from Amazon before API, like before the Jungle Scouts and all of those existed. You had that for yourself? We did, yeah. I mean, this was definitely before Jungle Scout. We're talking 2008 at this point. I mean, we had some pretty good techniques. Um, like in 2009, if you tried to buy a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses on Amazon, 100% of the listings would come back to us. And what we were doing was pricing optimization as well. So we were able to get the sales up to, you know, multi-millions very, very quickly because we were repricing and scraping and understanding um, pricing dynamics before the MWS API allowed you to use send pricing even, uh, or even query pricing and, and make adjustments. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I had our CTO who built the fitness website join me and we, and, and then we started building these tools for ourselves. And a friend of mine, I went to a party in New York city and a lot of my Harvard friends, just to go back to the background, um, were all, you know, working investment banking and, you know, making lots of money on wall street. And they're like, you know, why are you selling products again? That's so crazy. <laughs> like, so it's so capital intensive. Like you have to put the inventory and you gotta like do this and you've just sold your company. Like, why are you doing it again? And, um, one of the friends said, Hey, isn't the software more valuable than the inventory? Because it's hard to make money, right? You have to put all that risk up with the, the, the inventory. Um, yeah. a lot, this was also before really FBA was scaling, but still, it's still risky. And, uh, on the way back from that party on the bus back to from New York City to Boston, I, I wanted to come up with a marketing idea and um, I visited Japan twice. Uh, I was always really impressed. I was there for a track 
competition and the coach actually measured every athlete's body fat and body weight and wrote it into the spreadsheet and i was like these they're so like disciplined they're so data driven they're so perfect if only i'd run my retail business like this and i'd track my inventory correctly and i'd been disciplined about the margins after i'd done all of these investments why don't i encompass that so taker is the japanese word for market price it basically means decide value in japanese and then i'd studied econometrics at, at harvard which is the study of you know statistical data in, in a marketplace or you know in a, in a supply and demand so i put those two things together and started a started getting um started running google ads for amazon repricing software and um you know, started to get customers. And then we've just been getting customers ever since. And uh, I, I, I then started to see, okay, you can build a really big software company to do this. And uh, that's how that's how this was born. Okay, I was gonna ask you why take metrics? So now we know. And uh, uh, metrics, of course, was the obvious part. Take, I wasn't too sure, but uh, thanks for explaining that. You're welcome. And now in, in take a metrics, if you were, let's say, let's say I never looked at the tool, uh, can you explain to me as a seller, what can I get out of it? Yeah. Um, look, my vision has always been that, you know, when you look at Amazon and you think about Jeff Bezos and you think about the mission of Amazon, it's the consumer, right? Which is the lowest prices, maximum selection and convenience. That's their maniacal focus. But there's a gaping hole for the other side of the table, which is the sellers, which I've experienced. And of course you've experienced Quinn for, for many years. So there's just this really important other side that needs technology. So at the highest level, what we're doing is we're helping people um, using AI to make better decisions and, and, and really maximize their potential. You know, if you've got a great product, it's difficult. It's like, it's very complicated. You, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to get that help from Amazon. And in many ways, it's a love-hate relationship with Amazon, as you know. So at the highest level, we think that there's AI tools that can be built to help people. We've grown very quickly in ads. Um, so we provide, we released the first ever tool to use machine learning for ads optimization in 2017. You know, that's grown incredibly fast. You know, we've got thousands of sellers and brands on our platform. You know, I would say that we're the largest platform for Amazon ads optimization. But what I'm really excited about, especially now, is we're taking that further. And we're actually going full circle. You know, we've built a piece of software called Flywheel 2.0. And we're talking about this fact that ads are connected to your inventory, connected to your pricing, connected to inventory financing. And I think you can build a piece of software that can take the signals from your advertising to improve your inventory and vice versa. And that's a huge development for us. Um, we've got, uh, it's, it's on our website now as a, a, uh, an early access movement. So if any of the audience of this, this podcast wants to check it out, you can go to takeometrics.com and there's Flywheel 2.0 at the top. And what it's going to do, Quinn, it's going to give you, um, solve some of these problems like should you be advertising if your inventory is low? Um, you know, what, what are you actually doing in terms of profitability for your SKUs after ads? Amazon doesn't really care, right? It, it's the sort of, yeah. you know, almost like a tax to sell on Amazon. And I've never, you know, I, and I just put myself in the shoes of the customers, right? Like we should be giving people this amazing tool to, to help them. So I'm super excited about it. You know, we're going to have 2021 is going to be massive because, 
I think we're going to have this really revolutionary product out on the market and, uh, you know, thousands of customers uh, on board and just help a lot of people. So with this flywheel, uh, can I go to take a metrics and, for example, with the combination of flywheel and the AI, I can say, listen, I do not want a profit. I want to break even with this product for the next month, run ads, and it will just automate it like that or... Oh, did I understand yeah, correctly? I think that's a good, good high-level view of you know what what we're doing today. Today, you know, we have a product that's really strong in ads, and you can sign up. Um, it's really cheap too. It's you know fifty-nine bucks and only three percent of your ad spend, because we really want to make it accessible to every seller. And and as you grow, we grow with you, and there needs to be that honest relationship. Um, so that's what we're doing today. And that's, you know, you can get a free trial on our website. Um, it's super low risk and it can do that for ads. We've also you, got, sorry, let me yeah, go just ask you yeah. something. You said 59 plus 3%. So it doesn't matter if I spend 5,000 or a hundred thousand in ads per month. Uh, uh yeah. The percentage well, is always asking. the same. Actually, sorry, I, I, I misspoke. So it's $59. If you've got under 5,000 in ad spend, there is no percentage. So literally, if you're a seller and you're growing mm. and you're, you're spending less than $5,000 a month in advertising, it's just 59 flat. Once you go above 5,000 in monthly ad spend, mm -hmm. it's 3% of that incremental above 5K. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to say, look, we've spent millions of dollars developing this AI technology we've got you know incredible data scientists we've got a team in israel um boston and seattle former amazonians data scientists from the world's top companies and we're going to give that to sellers for only 59 bucks and it's going to be just 59 under that 5k as you get bigger it scales up um so that's the current offering the new platform we're taking the next step and we're saying okay we're going to add inventory market intelligence and also preferred financing. <clears throat> and we call that product Flywheel 2.0. And that's now for early access. So we're actually onboarding customers right now. It's doing an amazing piece of work because um, as you know, right, this is such a huge Q4. It's the, it's the biggest holiday season that we've ever seen in e-commerce, but people are really worried about their inventory. Should you, you know, should you really sell that much stuff at this price? Are you profitable? How do you do your reordering? So we've got all of this, um, you know, in, in Flywheel 2.0 and it, it's going really, really well. You know what? I, uh, I'm looking at your website as we speak and, you know, on the front page, you have the brands that trust take a metrics to grow their Amazon business. One of them is my competitor. And <laughs> I've been wondering, I'm being completely honest. I've been wondering how are they everywhere? Their ads are everywhere. I try to, if I search my keywords, their ads show up and, um, I'm guessing this is how they do it. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I uh, well, for a start, look, we want to provide this technology to everyone or every seller. Um, so it's down to you as each you know company to come up with the, the the really cool idea, and that's our principle in our team. You know, our value is to if you've got a great product, we want to help you maximize your potential, and you just can't do it as a human, right? You can't do what we do. We do. For certain customers, we might be doing 100,000 bid changes every given week or more, you know, millions of automated changes. Um, so the AI is really important, but we think we can do that as well for inventory. We think we can build a piece of software that says, hey, Quinn, we see that this product needs to be reordered. 
and this is the recommended amount using AI. Um, I think this is just the future of, of how this, uh, this world's going to evolve. And now we're working with Walmart as well. And we're working with some new channels that I can't really talk about, but can you imagine like how much harder it is when you're on Walmart and Amazon trying to optimize the two things at the same time? So we think we can provide like a really trusted brain for the seller and it can just do all of this complicated stuff and, and execute a very, very simple solution. And it can automate it and say, hey, Quinn, would you like to accept this recommendation? Click and done. Um, that's the vision of our product. Nice. And I'm glad you mentioned Walmart because that's something I wanted to ask you. It's so hard to find tools that are going to integrate with Walmart for sellers. Uh, so basically, if I get take a metrics, I connect to my Walmart selling accounts. Does it does it run my ads uh, just the same as it would uh, with Amazon, or does it even do more than that? Yes. Well, we've um, we're one of the first ever partners to work with Walmart, and uh, you know that was something that we worked with them in beta testing last year in 2019, but we announced it at the CES show in Las Vegas in January of 2020. And to be honest, like it just feels like years ago, you know, I can't believe I was at consumer electronics show in Las Vegas in January. It's like such a, can't believe I was around that many people in person, but anyway, um, so it hasn't been very long, but of course we've all seen Walmart actually gain market share on Amazon in COVID. Um, you know, they've released uh, Walmart Plus, which is competitor to Prime. They've done really well in grocery. They've done lots of acquisitions. So that's super good to work with. And we've been really focused on giving people other options. So the, the, the data that we have and the results that we have from, from companies that have gone on board with Walmart and, and they're doing really, really well, um, so it's, 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 it's very exciting. So we have um, Walmart optimization for Walmart ads. There isn't much competition there and there's a lot of demand. So we've seen brands do really well. I think that's just going to continue. I would bet on Walmart. And um, for us, it doesn't matter, right? It's, it's whatever you want as a seller, whatever you want as a brand. And that's our mission. So we're not focused on making Amazon successful or Walmart successful. We just want to give you the best options to be successful. And, um, you know, Walmart just happens to be doing really well. You can get really good performance on your advertising there. And, uh, yes, you can go on board with us and, uh, work with us directly for, for Walmart. As we get better and better, we're going to do all of the things that I've been discussing. We're upgrading inventory pricing, you know, financing opportunities inside of Walmart, Amazon, and other platforms. Got it. Yeah. I knew, I knew Walmart was going to come up with something, because they have very big plans in, I believe it was mid-2018, so a couple of years ago, I was actually uh, contacted by Walmart uh, to be a director of e-commerce for Walmart Canada. And really? I did go there a couple times and I met with a few managers. I heard some of the plans and uh, ended up not taking it after because mm. it, it would take too much time out away from from what I have and what I built. So I ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a different, it's a different world, isn't it? Like the, yeah, it was so exciting, business. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I saw, I saw they had something big planned. So that's why I wanted to be more focused into Walmart because they're not quitting. They're not giving up to, to Amazon. Yeah. They want to be a competitor. Well, well even just this story, right? Like 
it all comes in waves. In 2003, when I was started working and signed up to sell on Amazon, it was like, well, that can't be very good. It's a book website. That's going to be rubbish. Mm. It's going to be, you know, and even in all the way between 2003 and 2010, if I told you that I was devoting my life to building technology to sell on Amazon, people would be like, what's Amazon? Is that like eBay? Is it like, what is it? And now, of course, like, 10 years on from that, it's like, oh, like Amazon's the center of the universe. No one can ever compete with them. So it's so fascinating to see, you know, the dynamics, um, you know, coming full circle to the whole Mark Zuckerberg thing. If you look at Facebook and Instagram and you look at what's happened in Asia with, you know, those, those, these social networks becoming e-commerce companies, I think Facebook and Instagram have a really good shot of, of doing uh, a lot of e-commerce. So the thing I find exciting is like, where's the next channel? If I'm selling today, what's going to be really successful? Of course, you have to be optimized on Amazon, but there's just this sort of really interesting thought process to be like, look, it's it's fluid, right? Like in 10 years time, it's going to look different. And I'm I'm so lucky to have the chance to keep thinking like that, testing new ideas. And, um, you know, that's our team. You know, we're, we're trying to put ourselves, we're trying to be like the Sherpas, who are trying to think, okay, like how do we lead these sellers who are our customers into the next across the journey? Because it's difficult. Yeah. So yeah. that's what you do with this podcast, right? It's like, you're just adding so much value. People want to know like how to be successful. You know, what are the challenges? What are the pitfalls? And you know, you, you've done it before and, and you know, that's why you've got such a awesome audience. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I was there. I want to ask you something a little bit deeper into uh, take a metrics. And it's one of the things that I saw that you guys can change the bid per on an hourly basis. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I often think of when, when changing my bids is that not all keywords are the same. So for example, uh, I don't know, let's say the keyword Bluetooth speaker in one hour can get a, uh, 100,000 impressions, while the keyword orange Bluetooth speaker is going to get 10. So is there a way that I can get those bits to change by the number of impressions versus all changing hourly? Yeah, well, that's, um, that's one of the most important things around AI and machine learning. It's this idea that you can um, create a piece of software that's going to give you a better outcome, but it's not the same formula for everything. And that's the difference yeah. between a rules-based system and a true AI or machine learning system. So what we've been able to build is a piece of software that can predict and put yourself in the position to give you the best move. So if it's a high velocity product and it's got a lot of demand, the software is actually going to be able to learn the right amount of juice to give it before it makes a change. But it has to do that across all the different products and all the different keywords. Mm -hmm. And that's why the volume is so high on the bid changes, right? So it's like for one ASIN, you might have, you know, 5,000 different keywords. And for every one of those keywords, they have a different expected value. And you have to give it enough time and enough expense to then predict what to do next. But if you go and put too much money into it, you're going to have wasted ad spend. So you're constantly optimizing. And actually, if you're running ads now, I'm sure you are, 
it's the same game as if you're doing it manually or or any other way that you're trying to balance like spending no money and just the right amount of money to get the best performance and constantly cycling. So that's what the software is doing. And um, it does it really effectively because we've got so much data and so many customers that we're able to build a better algorithm than our competitors. And um, you know that's why some of the largest people on Amazon use our technology. I heard that uh, Mark Cuban is using your technology too. Uh, well, Mark, or you can't Cuban's you can't answer. share that. Oh yeah, no, I can. Yeah, no, I had a really interesting chat with Mark Cuban. I mean, I'm I'm name dropping a lot in this podcast, but I I genuinely um I did cold email Mark Cuban um directly. Uh, well, I'll, I'll back up. He has his brands on our platform, and we're really it's really cool because of course he's on Shark Tank and he's um. He's very entrepreneurial and, and some of the people that he's bet on are our customers. But in terms of Mark Cuban directly, he's really into AI. I mean, if you Google Mark Cuban AI and he believes that um, AI is the future and, and so do I. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to email him out of the blue and uh, yeah, built a pretty good relationship with him. Um, and uh, I mean, it's incredible, right? I mean, obviously very busy. Um, but uh, yeah, I was able to, um, yeah, he's a sort of a, very aware of what we're doing and you know we're helping his rounds yes i love that you know if if you don't try uh if you don't try you're not going to get anything so emailing out of the blue what's the worst that can happen is the worst that can happen is you don't get a reply so i mean yeah uh yeah that's amazing i knew um i knew his companies were on your platform but i didn't know you had contacted him directly so yeah. let me ask you something that i think is very important for the people listening because you did mention that you have a better tool than your competitors. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, of course, every CEO would would want to say that. The truth yes. is, I did try one of your competitors. I'm, I'm not going to say the name just because the experience, the experience was terrible. Okay. So we had to lock in for three months at least. Mm-hmm. And for 7500 bucks for three months. And there was no... AI that I could tell. Everything was rule-based. Bulk Mm -hmm. changes once every 24 hours. No matter if the keyword had never converted in six months, it would still be increased. Uh, And if the keyword had sold 10 units in that day, uh, it it would be decreased. So it was like counterintuitive. Ended up losing a ton of money. And and uh, actually losing it decreased my sales. So my question to you is, of course, uh, without revealing the name, how can people make sure that okay, so they know take a metrics is is legit, but if they're looking to to for tools, how can they verify if if it is a legit AI company? Well, that's uh, a very important thing to say because of course even if you step back and think about ai in general it's trust right there's two levels of trust there's trust uh, you know do you trust amazon i think many people don't because they're trying to optimize for their own profitability mm-hmm. you know jeff bezos has done a really good job of, of that clearly and yeah. you know that's that's fine and uh, we we love amazon we have an amazing relationship with them but i think this seller's trust and listen look honestly i've never had a job I've literally been working in this industry from day one as one of the first Amazon sellers, you know, like you. 
And um, to me, it's super important to build a company that can respect the sellers and also um, preserve the trust in the data that they give us and, and the trust in, you know, will it work? And we wouldn't have got to this stage. Uh, we wouldn't have built relationships um, with Amazon or Walmart. We wouldn't have got investors or, or the reputation that we have. So there's that just high level of integrity, but there's also the accuracy of the product, right? So um, you can see the names of the companies on our, our, our website and, you know, we're working with some huge sellers. I mean, literally spending a million dollars a day on, on Amazon ads. Um, and that's not an exaggeration, literally in, in certain peak times, a uh, million dollars a day of ad spend going through our platform. And we have billions of dollars worth of uh, transactions. So, um, you know, we've gone out and, you know, I had to raise venture capital money to do this. We've hired machine learning and AI experts. Our first investor was the professor of econometrics from MIT, Jerry Hausman. So, you know, he, he's this incredible guy that has has done data science and, and econometrics modeling for some of the world's largest companies like Starbucks, Home Depot. And we've just put like the best people on, on this who, you know, used to work at Amazon, used to work at Google, and they're coming to do this for the sellers. And um, it's really important. And, and I think when we, we're, what we're trying to do is democratize it and give it away. So even if you're a tiny seller, you can use it. Uh, and if you're under 5k a month in ad spend, it's only 59 bucks. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's how I would respond. It is difficult though, because I think when you think about ads, there are so many things that need to go into it, right? You need to have a good product listing. You need to have a good product. You need to have good reviews. Your pricing needs to be good. It's not like the AI can just solve every problem. Yeah. I think we can get closer to that with our new product Flywheel 2.0, but it's, it's, a combination of getting a great product, getting things right, building real IP, making a difference. You can't just private label stuff in the way that you could do maybe five years ago, right? You have to have something really good. If you've got something really good, I'm very confident that we can unlock more value for you and, and maximize your potential. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's hard for for some people that are trying to sell a $20 item and they're gonna sell, try to sell it for 60, without showing the reason why that theirs would be 60 while everybody else is selling for 1999 uh that often is uh, it hurts the, the of course the advertising because there's gonna there's not going to be conversions and a lot of sellers don't understand that point that the the ppc or any type of advertising is dependent on how the product is performing itself and how optimized the listing is and so yeah, there's a lot of factors to that go into it. It's not just having the right bid, of course, right? Yes. So, Alistair, tell me, for anybody that wants to try, and I bet you there's going to be a lot of people that want to try, since you have the under 5K, so if you spend less than 5K on ads, you can get the whole, uh, without limitations, is that right? You get take a metric yeah. without limitations? Yeah. Yeah, the um, so if you go to our website, takeometrics.com, you can sign up right now and, and optimize your advertising for 59 bucks per month, um, up to 5k in ad spend. After that, it's three percent of your incremental ad spend, so it's still really affordable. Um, but the thing that's I'm most excited about is is our newer product, um, which you can access, uh, you can sign up for early access, and it's called Flywheel 2.0. You'll see it on our website. 
it's where we're putting the existing ad optimization AI together with inventory. We literally just uh, acquired a company in Tel Aviv, Israel, that was providing the market intelligence data, which is like keyword analysis, competitive intel. And we're going to be integrating that into the Flywheel 2.0 package. Um, So you can sign up for the existing package, which is ads optimization and also early access for Flywheel 2.0 and uh, take things to the next level when we optimize your inventory and and other, other areas. Um, we're also integrating, and this is another really interesting one, going back to my story about having capital, we're going to be integrating preferred financing. So we're going to give brands the opportunity to get financing at better rates that they're anywhere in the market. Wow. And that's really important, right? If you're trying to launch a brand, it's like you have to put your neck on the line and come up with cash. And it's hard. And a bank won't be you know, able to do that. But we're, we're doing a special partnership and we're using the data in, in your Flywheel 2 account to give you better rates. Um, so there are all these really important ideas that just really where, where, where brand owners and sellers, they need help. Um, and that's what we're doing with Flywheel 2.0. Nice. Nice. Perfect. So I got to check it out. And for everybody that's listening, uh, just go to takecometrics.com. And you'll see it right on top of the page. It's the Flywheel 2.0. I just entered my email into the, uh, uh, what is it, a waiting list? Uh, so, well, it's early access. So there you go. You, you know, you're going to be, um, as soon as we uh, you know, start releasing this, which is actually happening right now, um, you're going to be one of the first people in the world to get access to that new platform. And it's going to start moving pretty quickly. Awesome. I'm excited to try this. So uh, before I let you go, I just want to touch on one more thing. You do have the take metrics for agencies. So, so if somebody is running an agency, there, you can also connect to the agency part where you can have multiple accounts. I get, I'm guessing unlimited accounts. Yeah. So we've just recognized that there are incredible people out there that are providing other services, right? So it's a very difficult problem to get a brand launch. So we're doing things like, um, you know, there's just numerous agencies uh, out there. So what we're doing is we're offering the ability for an agency to actually use our technology um, as part of their agency package. And we have some of the world's top agencies on there, hundreds of agencies that use uh, Takeometrics to help their customers. And uh, so if you're an agency, you can sign up and, uh, you know, become a authorized agency of ours and we're going to give you um, an account manager and all the support. You're going to get all the cool new stuff when it gets released and we're going to really grow your business with our business um, because, you know, it makes sense. It's like an ecosystem. Uh, and as, as I said earlier, it's like the ads are only as good as the other things, right? Which is the yeah. product listings, the the content, the pricing, the strategy. And that's what agencies do. So it's a really good combo of like, super smart people that run great agencies plus machine learning and AI and put those two things together and it's a winning combo. That is super exciting. So Alistair, uh, besides takeometrics.com, is there any other place where you would like people to look you up? Uh, well, that's that's kind of you. I mean, I think helping people with the software is the primary, but you're very welcome to uh, look me up on LinkedIn. That's where I have most of my social presence and uh yeah, add me on linkedin send me a note um i'll, I'll respond to you uh, or try to respond to you through linkedin and uh, I, I love talking to to customers and sellers and entrepreneurs in general so um 
feel free to contact me directly. And I, I just love helping people with, with these really entrepreneurial ideas. So um, that's where you can find me. There you go. Thank you so much, Alistair. It's a huge pleasure having you here. I wish you the biggest success. And uh, of course, we're going to stay in touch. You got my email there on on your earlier access list. <laughs> Thank you so much, Quinn. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you too, um, you know, keep up the great work. And you know, thanks to you and all the amazing listeners. Thank you. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story. <laughs>